it's quite common to see little containers of scripture on their doors. Yes. On the jams. And uh, some of the things that they put in that include this portion of scripture here. And sometimes very orthodox Jews perhaps would have a bundle that they would have taped over their forehead and tied in the back. Yeah. And they would have another bundle that they would have on their wrist. I couldn't tell you which one, but right? And they would hold it over their heart. Yes. And um, things that were important, but things perhaps that they had forgotten. And things that are important <coughs> for us in our walk as Christians and as Baptists, perhaps we forget at times. And we have a history that is second to none. We have a God that is only. And we have His Word speaking to us as we read it. We've sung praises to Him. We're fixing to speak to Him. And then we pray that He speaks to us. The first word is here. And from what I've read, in the original language, it was enlarged. Emphasizing what was about to be said is important. Here. And with that thought in mind, let's go to the Lord with the word of prayer. <coughs> Our Heavenly Father, we have sung your praises from our hearts with love. Lord, now we are privileged to address you. And we come not to you in our own righteousness, but become in the righteousness of your Son that has set aside your wrath that was upon us, has removed it, our guilt and our shame as far as the east is from the west. Speak to us now, we pray, from your word. For it's in thy son's holy, precious name we pray. Amen. Here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And I, I like studying the different names that we find in Scripture. I would say that at my age I've probably forgotten a lot of things. But we have here the Lord. Yahweh. Jehovah. Whatever you prefer. But it's the personal name of God. Yes. And it is the covenant name of God. Yes. Yes, it is. And it is the name of God that speaks of one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who does not change. The one who is eternal. The one who is self-existing. And the one who is able to keep all the promises that He has made. 
I share things sometimes, and I've probably shared these with you before, but with my children through the years, I never would commit to anything. We have an adopted son. He's now 19, and it took him a while to catch on, but he said, can we do this and can we do that? I said, maybe. And he gets frustrated. And I would explain to him several times, son, I do not have it within my power to guarantee you that we can do this. I would like to do it. I would like to do something that you're interested in. I would like to have that relationship with you that I am your father and you are my son. And I have my best desires and wishes for you. But we have a God that's able. We have a Lord that is powerful enough. Just that phrase alone is an understatement. Just the power of our Lord, our God is unmeasurable. But the Lord our God, that is our Elohim, is the name of God that appears the first time in the very first verse of Scripture. And it's a plural word, and the different ones argue different things about it, but it always is used there when it's referring to God with singular verbs and prepositions and so forth. And I believe it teaches the triunity of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One Jehovah. Unheard of among the heathen that they would have one Jehovah. But this one is not a reference to singleness. It's a reference to unity. This word is used elsewhere in Scripture when it refers to a man marrying a woman and they becoming one flesh. Two and yet one. And in this passage of Scripture, we have instructions given to families, to parents, to grandparents, and it starts off with, And thou shalt love Jehovah thy Elohim with all thy heart. Several different messages this week have touched upon our responsibilities, and here we have a command that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart. I don't know about you, but this week several of the messages have pointed out my deficiencies, my shortcomings, my failures, my sin. And when I think about this, that I am to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, it's not to be mixed. It's to be unadulterated. I have a very good wife. If you don't believe it, right, read some of the posts that her grandkids have posted about her birthday. It made her weep. 
<laughs> Makes me weep as I think about it. But in that regards, then, we have also then that the two are one. And that we have this love that seems to grow more and more. We are not to mix our love for God with the world. <coughs> nothing wrong with the job, nothing wrong with making a living, but when we put it before God, yes. we are putting an idol. Yeah. Come on, try. Amen. When we have <coughs> ball games on Sunday, yeah. you might not agree with me on this, but to me, Sunday's the Lord's Day. That's right. That's right. And we are not to do our own pleasure on the Lord's Day. Come on. And you have people that will miss, for whatever reasons, children, grandchildren, or whatever. And when you do so, you are putting something before God. That's right. And you're mixing your love for something else with the love that's supposed to be exclusively God's. Yes. Now, if I'm stepping on some toes here tonight, I don't know anything about you. Step away, brother. But let the Lord step. Yes. Let Him pinch. Let Him jab. Let Him convict. And thou shalt love. And thou shalt love. The Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Amen. No hesitation. And these words which I command thee this day not suggest. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. I was telling you, Brother James, earlier I said Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 is in a nutshell. That it ends with we are His workmanship. Yes. Created in Christ Jesus for our own pleasure. No, no, no. no, no, no. no, no. Okay. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Unto good works. Our work for the Lord does not atone for our sin. No, no. Our work for the Lord is that that comes from the heart. It is love. And it is heart work. Yes. Heart work. Not trying to earn our acceptance with God. Or we can't. And in our own eyes, we're unacceptable. And we, by God's grace, have His Word to remind us that though we be the chief of sinners, we find in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no death sentence. That's what condemnation was. No death sentence to those who are in Christ Jesus. I mentioned earlier that uh, my wife had told Marcia that I had been invited to sing a song 
that I've tried to sing and have never successfully sung it. And it's in memorial for Brother Ed Pierce, who had asked me to sing it several different times. And he has passed on, but the church is having a 75-year anniversary. And so if the Lord allows, we plan to go. But as we plan to go, we think in terms of these words, that we have this command. And he says here that we are to command that this is to be from our heart. I don't know how old this church is. I know it's been here a lot of years. Since 74. Since 74. And I see some members that have been faithful through the years here. And I'm thankful to see that. But I want to go back and deal with a few things. Again, not knowing anything about you, but I want you to think in terms of love. The greatest of the commandments. And as I speak in terms of this, I speak in terms of my love for my wife. And I'll ask her, can I do something for you? I try to make sure I'm holding the door when she goes through it. I try to be there to unload the groceries when she comes home. I try to do everything that I possibly can to make life as easy as I possibly can. And so it is in a church relationship we must put the others before ourselves. Yes, We must. In order for there to be unity and harmony it must be motivated by love for the Lord and love for one another. And if all else fails we need to remind ourselves that the scripture says love covers many sins. Amen. Love covers many sins. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Been amazed at different ministers that stood up here and quoted one scripture after another. I don't have that ability. I'm dyslexic. It takes me forever to learn anything. But I do appreciate what the Lord has gifted them with. But I do know and have memorized thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The idea is it's chiseled. It's inscribed. And we need to remind ourselves as we start our day and we open up the Word of God and we read, not just to be counting pages and numbers and verses, but we read and meditate or use the word sila, which to me the best interpretation of it is chewing the cud, bringing it back up, thinking about it, walking with it. We've been going through the book of Genesis with our church and 
one of the things that really stands out to me in the book of Genesis is the different ones that walk with God. I'll ask you a question. How does God walk? How does God walk? And are we striving to walk with Him? My wife will remind me because I've used this story quite often. But I remember walking down the hallway of Woodlawn Baptist, which was almost as long as a football field. And that might be a little bit of exaggeration, but it's long. Nobody else in the building. And as I was walking, I was kind of shuffling my feet. And I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old behind me, and all of a sudden I could hear them shuffling their feet at the same time I was shuffling mine. Created memory for me. But I think it also gives us the idea of walking with the Lord on Sunday for an hour. No? On Wednesday for an hour? No? Being always in prayer, always in communication, always thinking about God. What would Jesus do is a modern statement, but I like it. Not too many of my life, but I like it. And it's a good measuring stick for us to evaluate our walk with the Lord. About to make a decision, about to do something. Good question that we should ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? I've tried to make it a point to pray about a matter before I do it. Yes. And seeking peace when it's not really clear in Scripture whether or not I should do that. I didn't do that recently. I bought two goats. And one of them did live but a week. <laughs> and I took it to the vet before it died and the vet couldn't tell me what was going on with it. and I thought before I, he even got sick I remember thinking you know I didn't pray about this matter I didn't ask the Lord's guidance in this matter I can tell you one even better than that my wife was turning her head she knows <laughs> I love building houses. And I built a spec house and it sold before I had it built. And so I decided I'd start another one. And three years later, it hadn't sold. And I was making notes. And I remember thinking, you know, I need to pray about this before I start another spec house. And I think I already got the answer. Not going to do it. <laughs> Praying in regards to daily decisions that we make. Communicating with God. Seeking to walk with God. And thou shalt teach them diligently. Diligently. 
I mentioned that I remember Steve, I remember Marsha. I remember different things that I learned from them, them not even knowing it. I've learned different things from you all, and you might not even know it. Just the faithfulness of being here has made an impression. We have this influence on others, and often we don't know what influence we have. And parents and grandparents and the church is to be diligent, starting with the parents. Diligent. <coughs> Going through the things of God's Word and chiseling them on the hearts and the minds of children. I was about 12 years old, was not a Christian, had been in church for a number of years, would spend my summers with family on a farm, and they were of a different denomination. One that took the Lord's Supper every Sunday, and they would take us to church, myself and our seven cousins, and we're sitting at the dinner table, and one of the adults brought up the matter that perhaps I needed to be spanked. And the reason was is because I did not take the Lord's Supper as it was being passed around each Sunday. I wasn't a Christian. I had grown up in a church where church members were the ones that took the Lord's Supper. And I had learned that indirectly at a time when the least favorite thing for me to do was to go to church. But sitting in church on the back row, and we always got the back row because my father was always there early, I had picked up something inadvertently the whole time waiting for the clock to pass out so that we could go home. But I learned some things just being in the environment of the church. And I couldn't remember anything that was taught except that I knew that I wasn't eligible to take the Lord's Supper. We do not know what inadvertently our children are learning. And the scripture here places that responsibility back on the parents. And by the way, you do not want the school system training your children. I mean, we've been hearing that for a long time, but it is getting worse and worse and worse. And we do not want the cartoons on our children. Nor TV. Nor the world. We are to remind our children that we believe that God is. That He is on the throne. That He rules over kings and over us. And that as those that have been born again, we know the Scripture tells us that He works actively all things together for those who love God. That's the command we have here.
It's repeated as the great command in the New Testament. That it all starts with love. Who are called according to His purpose. Thou shalt teach them diligently. Even when you're about to pull your hair out. And you're not sure. As I used to ask my boys. Do you speak English? And they would come back to me with, I speak American. I don't know if they even knew what they were saying. I don't think they even knew what English was. <laughs> there seemed to be a communication gap there, though. But as we think in terms of these, we are to be diligent. When we're tired, we'd rather be doing something else. But the responsibility falls back on the parents. And then the grandparents. My favorite person was my grandfather. Named my oldest son after him. Several of my cousins named their boys after him. He was our favorite. And my uncle would tell us, he wasn't what y'all thought he was. <laughs> But what we knew about him, he had that impression upon us. He left a good witness, we might say, in that regards. And then the church. The parents, grandparents, and the church. You don't know what the children are learning from you. You don't know what impressions that will last when we're dead and gone. And out of love for these children, for their parents, for their grandparents, for the Lord, we need to have a consistent testimony. And we need to diligently in the prison ministry that I go in, I go into two different ones. The inmates, after they come to my services for a while, they start talking about how they love me. And what I found out was that most of the preaching that goes into the prison is about this deep. And I go through the Word of God and I open it up as plain as I possibly can and they just grow and then they tell me we love the fact that we can grow in understanding we are to be diligent we are to grow and we need to be reminded that we need to be taught how to play golf again that when we get so used to doing certain things that we start letting it slip we need to go back to the fundamentals. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. When you can talk above the TV. And when you can get their eyes out of Facebook or whatever else they're on. And when thou walkest by the way as you're walking with the Lord. And when thou liest down, 
I'm going to now rise this up. As the pro said, this coach, teach me how to play golf. May our prayer be to the Lord that He teach us how to do the things that we find in the Scripture. Amen. 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 Amen.